0: okay welcome back to the spinner rack here at the marvel new universe comics podcast as always we are your hosts steven with justice number nine and, and andy with dp7 number nine i feel like we're our our introductions have been getting smoother and smoother these days <laughs> it only took like
1: 50 episodes <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not classically trained Anyway, so The New Universe, right? Uh, Started in 1986. The New Universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably slash cinematically realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Uh, Eight new comic series launched in one month, set in Our World, 1986. 1986. Uh, now, as the comic stories progressed to 1987, the world still largely doesn't know about Paranormals, except a few secret agencies. Um, so with our podcast, you can follow along each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite or you've developed one. Um, we've got a website, kickersinc.com. With this in that website, you can find information about us, but also places to win free comic books. Uh, Super Sleuth Sweepstakes is still available. Take the quiz. Uh, New contest. Uh, We'll always keep saying there's one coming soon. There may never be. Uh, But we do have a slogan contest for the New Universe podcast slogan. So please contribute. Uh, Twitter, you can find us at at Kickers Inc. And there's also a non-affiliated to us cool Facebook fan page, the Marvel Comics New Universe
1: Fans. Right. Cool stuff going on all all over those places. This week, I'll be covering justice. Kenson is a fish out of water, possibly an exiled alien policeman, possibly just a crazy person, fighting drug dealing street punks and dark wizards from his home dimension. He wields the sword and shield of justice as he brings his black and white fight against evil to our morally gray world. This week, Justice number nine, stripped of the abilities of his mystical sword, Justice is forced to wield the weapons of Earth with devastating results written and penciled by Keith Giffen and inked by Rick Bryant, according to Marvel Age. And according to Universe News, uh, Justice has been stripped of his power, but he's not helpless. The question is, will he survive in one piece? Hmm. Kind of all go together there and they're both pretty accurate
0: actually yeah i mean we may be uh gone are the days of the promotional blurbs <laughs> being way 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 off um uh, i guess it, it was kind of it has been kind of fun when they <laughs> don't yeah. match at all but
1: we're still waiting for uh what was it death dealer or something like justice was gonna go oh uh, designer drugs yeah and designer drugs
0: still waiting for that mark hazard kicker's ink crossover too i guess
1: ah yeah indeed perhaps we will always be still waiting uh we have to create our own well we'll get there
0: yeah something something stick figures and word balloons <laughs> but yeah, so that's justice. This week I'll be talking about DP7, which is seven random people. once ordinary and average begin to begin to display power extraordinary and paranormal in the wake of the white event. Uncertain how to use or even live with their new abilities and their family's reactions, their lives are upended by the clinic they went to for help, which now hunts them in a bid to control them. Together but not the same. There are seven displaced paranormals on the run, or as we call them, DP7. <laughs> so, so this week, DP7 number nine, the sinister sanctuary known o- known only as the Clinic, once more has DP7. Oh, once more has DP7, and DP7 is glad to be there. Hmm? What? Plus, introducing a new group of seven displaced paranormal volleyball players. Dream. I didn't actually say volleyball players. So <laughs> I added that. Uh, Dreams, written by Grunwald, Ryan, and Tangal. Uh, DP7, so the, the shorter blurb from Universe News. Number nine, introducing a new group of paranormals, and they're not what you might expect. Uh, of course, I, maybe I've what? given away that they're volleyball players.
1: Oh, man. Uh, been <laughs> we've been trying to avoid spoilers here
0: spoiler and, uh, alert <laughs> uh and we'll I mean, also t- oh yeah and we'll also talk about the new universe news hollywood casting so we've been going through in, in the back of each book the quiz the artists of each series for who they would cast in a movie of their comic so and sometimes we agree with their casting and sometimes we've got better
1: ideas and sometimes we just don't remember what the 80s were like at all. <laughs> they say if you can remember the 80s, you weren't really there. Or yeah, like or you were a 10 <laughs>
0: <laughs> with less cocaine than that in that case. <laughs> let's hope.
1: Oh, well, let's jump on into Justice Number Nine, which is cover dated July 1987 and probably hit the racks. Uh, April seventh of nineteen eighty seven, and uh, as you'll recall in our previous um, couple of issues, Justice had been uh, had confronted these evil wizards. Um, they had abducted his friend Becky Chambers um, back to their home dimension, leaving him stranded here. And he's gone through some sort of rebirth of trying to um, get back onto his mission and his need to uh, judge people. Um, And last issue, he was uh, stuck in prison for a while. Then he was uh, sprung by a lawyer who was um, probably sent by the evil wizards. And he sort of um, just took off once the news announced that becky chambers body had been found um somewhere in probably a large sort of setup by these by dad and his gang hmm. um yeah because we know that she is in fact alive and now friends with dad so yeah the um let's see so justice when we last left him was leaving the hmm. lawyer and his friend Arnie and just sort of heading off on his own into um, unknown territory. Um, So with number nine, the cover, we have a uh, sort of a a, a interesting cover. Um, It's a, I'm going to say African-American in like a guy who's uh, sort of in a spotlight with cigarettes and bottle liquor maybe on the ground. And sort of behind him is this large angry looking portrait of Tenson justice himself
0: yeah it looks kind of like a police sketch drawing
1: <laughs> clearly he's mad at,
0: he's mad at whoever this person is
1: I yeah you know it's like it almost seems like uh um he's sort of mad at society I don't know but <laughs> For letting this guy down? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he I just know. seems sad, the guy who's just walking in the spotlight. I don't know. Yeah. So we uh, head into the splash page, and uh, as as promised, we have um, Keith Giffen back on art. He had uh, apparently done the cover as well. It's, it's credited Giffen-Isherwood, but um, Jeff Isherwood's um, inking... Or, um, was makes it look significantly different, I guess, than the interior art. Or maybe Giffen's just kind of moderating his style a bit. But uh, inside, we get this uh, Giffen style, which I talked about with Night Mask number eight. Um, it's this very black intensive, um, sort of um, shadowy. Um, and very, I don't know how to say it, gritty sort of style. Things look very dirty and moody, and it really sets a mood, yeah. Um, So the um, splash page by Giffen is just of justice walking towards us, but um, part of that style is like his lower part of his face is just completely in shadow, and it's just all blacked out, so if you've like feel like you had you know a bad day or a dark mood. It's like that times ten is how it comes across.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a good visual representation of that.
1: Yeah. So the title is Haunted Heart, and it starts off with our old friends, uh, narration boxes of Justice again. Becky Chambers is dead. It's my fault. I should have done something. I should have saved her. After all. I'm Justice with the logo. Yes. What use is justice if you can't protect the woman you love? So the credits, uh, actually the writer is um, Jerry Conway and Keith Giffen as artist. And they're kind of both credited as storytellers. So perhaps um, Giffen was doing some of the plotting. Yeah, hard to know. Hard to know. The second page, we start up a six-panel grid, which is um, most of the layout of the issue. And Justice is continuing with the narration. The government thinks I killed her. Perhaps I did, but not in the manner they imagine. I involved Becky in my life. We mingled souls. Ooh. <laughs> At least like, once. He is always bragging about that. Yeah, you know, I got, you know, some soul mingling going on with my old lady, Becky. And anyway.
0: <laughs> so if um, you remember, uh, just about as soon as he was transported back to his home world, he was ready to mingle souls or mingle auras again with uh, the princess or the, the queen, right? The queen. queen. It's been yeah. a while.
1: So <laughs> it's always like, just as doesn't come across as like the romantic lead, but he gets a lot of uh, interest. that direction um so yeah he says as he continues his enemies failed to destroy him they struck at her and he recaps a little bit more that uh, she's been was taken to the far side by the wizards of the winterland and he thinks um that they must have killed her and brought you know dumped her back on earth um And he's thinking to himself, if I could reach them, if I could return to the far side, I would. And then something grabs his attention that man. And remember, Justice has not just the sword and shield that he uses to like push away things and kill people, basically, but he also has that aura reading ability when his eyes go red. And uh, it doesn't like automatically come on, so he's not doing it to everyone all the time. But um, something must have struck out at him about this guy that he sees on the street because um, he, he starts his eyes glowing up, and his aura, so evil. Um, to set the stage a little bit more, we're still in New York City apparently, and um, it's just kind of a like, it'll actually look kind of post-apocalyptic uh, urban landscape. I mean,
0: yeah, it's cold. There's snow. It's crappy, crappy part of the city.
1: Yeah, the winterness is really like just grows on you through the issue. It starts with like you see a few flakes here and there, and it's just getting feeling colder and colder as we go along. So he he's he sees the spots this guy walking along, and he's re- he reads them him as like super evil so he starts kind of following him from a distance and he's still narrating you know he can how much evil he's seen in our world and how it's kind of overpowers him sometimes and part of me has become numb to depravity even as the bullet wound in my shoulder is numb to pain you'll remember he um justice also got shot early in the last issue when he was being placed under arrest. Um, and it wasn't made a, a lot out of. He just sort of bandaged it, it up and was um, recovering in the prison. But uh, in this issue, he's uh, saying that, you know, the this, this shoulder is still numb. It's you know, bothering him even more now, I guess. Anyway, so he's talking about how he's uh, become. Inured to the uh, evil around him, but, but this man is different. His aura is as dark as a moonless night. In spite of myself, I feel compelled to follow him, to learn more about him. Why? To dull the agony in my heart. Yeesh. (laughs) Justice is having a bad day. He follows him along a little more and, um, Talks about more about his life in the other world, where he was a policeman. He could, uh, talks about how his uh, friends tell him that the time on Earth is corrupting him. Um, and that his sword arm is becoming unreliable too. And he's following along, and then he's accosted by a uh, another man. Wouldn't go in there, man, if I were you. What? Boo Boo lives there. You want rock? You want guns? Boo Boo's the man to meet. Boo Boo's a bad dream. See by your clothes, you don't belong here yourself. Give yourself a present. Go home. So um, <laughs>
0: nothing more threatening than Boo Boo. So okay.
1: Then I guess Yogi. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So okay. Remember on that that night mask issue, you were the one who pointed out that Boo Boo was written like on the walls of something. Oh. I had already forgotten. Ah, I guess I listened to it more recently. Yeah, the um, I I can only assume he was like working on this at around the same time or something. Like, yeah, there's, I don't know. That's a
0: pretty cool connection. It's
1: uh, it's there's not a lot of boo boos in the uh, new universe. But <laughs> new boo boo. Okay. So he's he just as kind of uh, demurs. I cannot go home now. And um, the guy kind of tells me, I'm just trying to help you. Go in there. You might not come out. Oh, well, uh, Justice thanks him for the warning. And uh, the narration continues. He shrugs. And it is then that I noticed the darkness of his aura. So we switch inside to Boo Boo, who's <laughs> not a small bear. No, no, he's a, just a uh, dude, <laughs> just a dude, uh, a heavyset, uh, bald, you know, kind of a uh, criminal New York 90s or 80s, uh, criminal looking guy. And, uh, the guy who came in is talking to him, you know, how's your life, my friend? Uh, they're old pals or something. And the guy, boo-boo, says things are fine. uh Gun sales are slow this time of year, but rock, a.k.a. crack, I think. Um, Or coke? I'm going to say crack. I think crack, yeah. He says, uh, I sell a lot of that. Sure you don't want any? Uh, No, thanks. (laughs) Live a clean life, buddy. I get high on life in America.
0: He says he
1: (laughs) prefers a purer, less chemical thrill. I need a small caliber, untraceable. Okay, here you go. And then the guy asks, you know, something puzzles me. This is a bad neighborhood, and you're by yourself here. Aren't you in danger? And Boo Boo tells him, no, I, I I actually do have a guard. You didn't see him because, you know, if he recognizes you, he doesn't come up. But he goes out, and if someone doesn't belong, he'll act like a nice guy and warn them off. And if they don't listen, he'll just kill them. Oh, anyway, I have here's your uh, here's your gun. 300 bucks what oops <laughs> we switched back to justice uh did he get the message too late no this is justice so he is walking away from a pile of smoking ash
0: <laughs> oh, that's what my favorite it? panel transition right you know turn the page <laughs> and you're like oh okay justice could be in some trouble here at least in for a fight and i'm
1: like no pile of <laughs> ash <laughs> yeah great use of uh panel tra- transitions there Justice is thinking to himself, I must be getting careless. The man's words were so disarming, I almost missed the evil in his aura. And he's, uh, I'm not sure if his knife was already like hitting him or it was just like swinging up so quickly to bring his, sh- his sword to bear that um, he tore his arm again. But he starts telling talking about how... Um, Whatever happened, it had to reopened the uh wound in his shoulder that had been healing.
0: Yeah, I think that's more of that classic action movie thing where like you're hurt and you're bandaged up, but uh, you're you do too much and you know, too physical, then you know the yeah. wound breaks and you start bleeding again.
1: Yeah, he I mean he's uh we start the feeling here and uh it continues. And then he says, "I should find my friend Arnie and seek his help," which I'm I'm happy to see a shout out to Arnie.
0: Yes, (laughs) we were a little worried Arnie was taken off,
1: out of sight, out of mind. That's how it works sometimes (laughs) in the new universe. Arnie did that classic like rom
0: com thing where like he pulled up, but Justice was with the pretty lawyer lady, (laughs) and it's like, oh, I guess he doesn't need me anymore. They kind of drove off with a misunderstanding.
1: <laughs> yeah, Justice will show up at the airport when Arnie's leaving to go back to his home country. and Catch him just before he goes in the gate. Yeah. You complete me! You complete me! Um. Yeah, so he... he... Justice continues thinking to himself, I want to follow this guy and find out more about him and why his aura attracted me in a morbid, curious way. By the way, you've got a couple of panels on this page that are. It's another part of Giffen's style. In in this um, at this time is uh, basically just copying panels wholesale. I think they. I've seen some original art, and I think they call it just photostat or something. And they're like, just copy this panel, you know, panel two to, to panel four, and then he'll change. So um, like here, just some. Snow, I think, is like slightly different, and of course, the um, word balloons are different. But otherwise, you have this interesting uh, use of repeated images, and it kind of, you know, I don't know. It, it sort of affects the way you're you're viewing the time passage in the, on the page. Hmm. Right, because usually you kind of have to guess at it a
0: little bit. Yeah. But, Nota- uh, notably too you know, imagery wise like he's wearing his classic justice outfit which looks a little superhero-y but he's got that big brown trench coat which is just kind of over his shoulders like his arms are tucked in kind of which makes him look extra mopey
1: yeah oh what do you call that style it was like a uh, australian coat or something outback anyway it's a yeah, man's coat <laughs> It's a, it's this, yeah, big trench coat, and maybe that's why I liked uh, Starbrand in the, in the black trench coat a few, couple issues ago. It's a good, like, halfway to superhero, but not, you know, committing to the bit. But anyway, um, Justice continues following this guy and thinking to himself, "Is this what Webster all meant when he said this world had corrupted me? Am I more interested in studying evil than causing its eradication?" Ooh. He thinks a li- you know a little bit more about his past and uh, is is following uh, this guy into I guess a nice area, nice nice um, building, and he watches. Uh, after a while, the lights go on and go off, and he just lets himself in. Um, he checks the names on the mailboxes, I guess. And it is apartment two, Leon Crisp, second floor. Now the evil has a name, hmm. and it's Leon. Leon, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> strikes terror into the hearts of men. Okay. Um, he, he's he's going through the the house now. He's breaking uh, the door. Why do such fearful people make doors out of glass? And taking the elevator, goes up to the door. Why does evil display its name so openly? Leon Crisp right on the door. The wound in my shoulder throbs. And he burns off the lock, surprisingly, with the sword hand. Um, but he continues inside. I need to understand. And he looks around the guy's apartment, and everything I see leaves me more confused. Um, it's a really nice place. Everything's uh, filled with art, very tasteful, clean, very upscale, it feels like. He has plants. It's plants. He it doesn't have a kitty cat or something that would really like, oh, is this guy so bad? I don't know. But um, he's. Uh, he says for a moment I stand completely still I do not know why I am here my shoulder throbs I remember he goes in and is looking at the guy in his bed (laughs) Is like I don't understand his aura is completely black and uh, I should judge him now and but his shoulder is killing him his arm is killing him and he's just kind of blanking out sometimes and he says he's finds a some scrapbooks in the guy's living room. And while his shoulder keeps hurting, he's, the scrapbook he looks through has basically a bunch of newspaper clippings of people being killed. Um, and it's like always um, local hero killed mysterious circumstance. Mutilation murder baffles Dade County. Good Samaritan killed after receiving mayor's office citation. Good neighbor Sam meets grisly death. Slain man was local hero. He's just reading this and trying to piece it together. And his arm just keeps throbbing. And suddenly he just blacks out. He, He wakes up on the next page and he's outside cold is this the winterland land? It, it, the snow is really coming down now and everything looks colder and bleaker than ever no i'm still on earth and um my wound is worse than i thought he picks himself up and looks like he's been out of it for a while but he says his mind went blank and somehow his body carried him outside and He's starting to regret not judging the guy when he had a chance. And he's starts walking off. He hears uh, the next page, a couple of blocks away, some screaming. And you see up close a robber um, trying to take a woman's purse. And she's screaming. And he's uh, knifing her. She won't let go of the purse. And he starts attacking her with a knife. And uh, Justice is... Sort of thinking over the top of this, these images that, you know, I'm too far away. I'm not going to get there in time. And yeah, by the time he gets there, he can see the robber's aura. And he's. The robber turns around like. Who are you? And justice. I'm justice. He raises a sword arm, but. um Nothing. It's unreliable. Corrupt. He is mad as hell looking at his arm as this guy runs away the killer flees and because of my wound i'm too weak to follow the justice thinks to tell himself more about co- what corruption is and what his you know purposes and whether he's lost the chance to save another innocent that's going to be killed by this um by leon crisp um if not this robber also i don't know um So the next thing you see is back at Boo Boo's. And Boo Boo has a gun in his face. And you see that he's like, hey, take it easy, man, take it easy. And it is Justice, actually, holding a gun on him. And he's asking him, um, you know, to teach him how to use it, basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for all the... uh, I mean, if there was, in fact... Some setup to Boo Boo in like Nightmask or like the name dropping and things like that. Like Boo boos is not necessarily a menacing figure.
1: Yeah, he's. I mean, I guess his guard was more menacing, and uh, he mostly struck from behind or something. I guess. But. Um. So yeah, Justice's face is all in shadow at that point. So he's got some very ominous look to himself, and he's um. This also, uh, we see another um, newspaper and Leon reading it. I guess he's woken up in the middle of the night at this point. Is this is the next day. I don't know. Yeah, it's and hard to tell. He he's reading something like, "Oh, uh, Thomas E. Wyman of Sutton Place, another Good Samaritan, and uh, a guy had pulled a woman off a subway track, and he's talking to himself. Why don't they?" Why do they do it? Don't they know how helpless they make the rest of us feel? And he's, so the, yeah, the guy's heroism was in the newspaper and that gave him a target. And he's thinking to himself a bunch of um, crazy talk. But you do get some of the backstory. My mother died and no one saved her. And uh, no one rescued her. No one pulled her out from under a subway train. Why weren't you there when my mother died, Thomas E. Wyman? He's looking him up in the white pages and uh getting his address. Why weren't you there, Mr. Good Samaritan?
0: Mr. Hero. Hmm. That's another good 80s ism that doesn't exist anymore, too, right? You know, you could get anybody's name and phone number, uh, and oftentimes address right out of the phone book, right?
1: Yeah, it's I mean. I don't even know how to find people anymore. It's Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Try and find them on Facebook or something.
1: Yeah, you Google them up, and uh, yeah, if if anyone else has your name and they're like yeah, anywhere in your vicinity, you're in trouble.
0: If Sarah Connor didn't have uh, social media and, and the Terminator came in the year 2022, or <laughs> it would have struck mm-hmm. out.
1: Good, good reason to come earlier. So the next page is uh, Justice, um, and it's an interesting uh, group of panels where he's just entirely in shadow and is kind of fighting um, the snow and wind and really feels cold. It's a little like that um, issue of Alpha Flight where Snowbird was in a like whiteout blizzard or something and all the panels are white. But, you know, uh, right, right. But this is just, I mean, it's literally just black with um, some like snow lines across them um, for the figure of justice and him sort of struggling. Uh, his shoulder is killing him, his sword hand is useless, but now I have a weapon. And, and he thinks a little more about the Winterland back home and this Leon dark aura and Becky is lost. he just ah, my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore. Cold deadens the ache. and he's really struggling. So as justice struggles and is talk thinking to himself, um, we segue over to Sutton Place where um, Thomas Wynan had been living. But we see that Leon Crisp is there and has now killed this poor guy. And he's talking to himself a lot. Uh again, Mr. Thomas Whinan, some hero. Couldn't save yourself, could you? And uh he yeah, you know, so he just killed the guy for after he, uh, his craziness. And he Leon heads out into the snow and he's thinking to himself, you know, the sort of serial killer talk about, like, ah, it feels good to kill people, blah, blah, blah. And afterward, the darkness and the feeling of sadness return. He thoughts go back to Mother, and he feels so helpless again, he wants to cry. He jumped back to Justice, who's blacked out again and woken up again, and uh, snow on his back, My legs feel leaden. I can't feel my feet. Again, I get up. And finally, he sees um, something approaching. His aura is like a black beacon. He goes up. Leon Crisp. What? You know my name? What do you... I know more than your name, Leon Crisp. I know who you are. I know what you are. And As he thinks to himself, I see his fear, and I see something else. You killed a man tonight. And then Leon, um, not really sizzling up the situation very well, his fear turns to relief, and he laughs at some private joke. Yeah, Mr. Hero, prove it. Well, as Justice says, I don't have to prove it. Bam. Hey, you can't. Bam, bam. And then we flip the page, and it's a full page um, of just justice, um, with the the smoking gun coming out from under his overcoat, and just him saying, "I'm justice." Yeah, that's that's good '80s like action movie stuff. But I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, he is the wrong new universe hero to to to. Uh, try that line with yeah yeah for those of uh those of you who may be on the original art market um i would highly recommend looking at looking for this page because this is uh, awesome you have like a poster size version of it honestly
0: <laughs> it's just missing the uh justice written in the uh, font of the title you
1: know oh right right even better so then you flip that, and this is where like these photostat images really come home because you get um, just the same image of like a close up of his face over and over again in a six panel grid. And it's getting closer each time, but it's obviously just the same image like repeated. And it just, he just has a couple lines. I never saw the effect of such a weapon up close before. Panel, panel, panel. Leon Crisp takes longer to die than I would have imagined. Just watching him bleed out. (laughs) Ouch. Stone cold Justice Tenson. Oh my gosh. So, last page. I prefer the swift judgment of my sword hand brand this brand of justice is too brutal too much like the evil it destroys yeah leon's just lying there dead staring at the dead man he thinks of rebecca and just how they just found her body and wonders if it looked like that and he just lets the weapon fall and walk away and then we have an interesting couple of uh, lines Arnie, this is Tenson. Tenson, where the heck are you? I'm getting calls from that lawyer looking for you. She says the court revoked your bail. Arnie, I'm sick. I think my shoulder's infected. I need help. So what else is new? Tell me where you are. I do, and he promises to come, and I know he will. And for the first time in days, I begin to feel whole again. Because he's reunited with Arnie. Yeah! (laughs) reunited
0: and it, anyway and the next, next issue, issue total opposites it sounds like a uh,
1: sitcom this is, he goes back to live with to Arnie but Arnie has become a total fuss budget and he's like justice did you leave all your shoes in the hallway I I meant to clean that up I'm sorry Arnie <laughs> what are you doing?
0: justice did you vaporize the garbage man <laughs>
1: he in had the darkness in his horror, heart I promise he did. yeah.
0: Justice.
1: Justice. So we do have the promise of Arnie coming back, which is good. But this is like a super fun issue of um, solo justice, you know. Can you say tonal shift? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the sort of thing you can't really do with like your wacky friends hanging around but yeah this really digs into justice's view of the world as he's kind of falling apart um between like the city the winter the wound in his shoulder and like his unreliable arm it's a real interesting like uh, situation for him and the way he processes that and still has this like mission on his mind. um, I don't know. Really interesting. I I find it really kind of emotionally grabbing, you know?
0: Um, Yeah. It it benefits from kind of taking your time with it too. So like, if you're just kind of reading quick, you know, you're not looking at the art, you know, absorbing the scenery kind of stuff too. I think it, it helps a lot to kind of go slow And Justice is almost closer to what he was in Nightmask's dream than he had been in uh, (laughs) previous issues, too, like this kind of force to a degree. But we we get more of like his, you know, his struggle, his human side, he's injured and that kind of stuff. So it's not just force of nature, but a a bit more of a, a twang of that, I think. so.
1: Yeah, I really, I mean, struggle to think of a a good, you mm. know, who else is like Justice? There's not much out there. He's, I guess, like, a, I, I was just seeing someone post that it's um, Jonah Hex's 50th anniversary. Um, Justice does sometimes work as, like, you can imagine as a Western hero, um, but almost no, like, contemporary superhero has this, like, Drive to well, kill people,
0: and yeah, and it's, it's not. It's I mean, you can say
1: Punisher, but it's not really like the Punisher. He's really got like he, like he, I don't know, he it's like he feels so much. It's not that he's divorced from feeling like a you know, military campaign, but he is worried about people being killed by these, you know, monsters to him and he just he's willing to do whatever it takes. And yeah. And really forces in himself to do it. Not just like, oh well, nothing I can do. He's like, if you know, I may be half dead here, but you know, my weapon weapon's not working, but I will find a gun and a way to kill this guy if that's what needs to be done. Yikes. yes
0: yeah and the uh you know the kind of I guess self narration he's talking when he's talking about uh corruption and sort of the differences between this world and his where you know his world is is kind of that black and white you know he finds someone got the wrong aura vaporizing all clean don't worry about it nothing to think about like that guy had it coming and now they're gone and I didn't torture them you know, nothing drawn out, you know, so where he's kind of struggling with the morally gray regular world of, you know, now he's thinking about reasons why people are doing these things. And instead of just meeting out justice, he's following the guy and learning about him and thinking about what he did. And, you know, and that gets him in trouble, right? He he fails to save the woman, you know, he's thinking. So I wonder if like the corruption is just sort of that gray area for him. Like he's so black and white and then, that's his power right you know on and off you know sword and shield you know vaporize or protect right so now if he's thinking about um does this person deserve it what did they do what their life situation you know did they have a bad childhood <laughs> right you know and that's yeah. the corruption per se you know as far as things go
1: yeah yeah he's uh yeah, I mean, we, I don't know if he got too much out of it, but yeah, we got a little hint of like, why is Leon like this? He's crazy and some bad things happened to him.
0: And yeah. yeah, with a with a dose of sadness from Becky, cold and an infected arm, it sets the scene.
1: <laughs> so, uh, pretty happy with this one. I mean, uh, I'll give it an A. I, uh, I really, really loved it.
0: So. Yeah, I, th- I think that seems like an easy A here, too. Uh, I like all the good Samaritan bit, too. Like, you know, it made me look up the parable, you know, though I've probably heard six or seven times in church and at various times and stuff like that. But uh, so, like, the original story, I guess, was, you know, the Samaritan stopped to help someone, who a traveler, had been kind of beaten and left on the side of the road. And then what I got from the Internet, which is also kind of nice, was... Um, you know that it was impactful because the Samaritans, which were the people uh hated the Jews and the Jewish people kind of looked down on the Samaritans was the kind of the story I'm getting. So it's like this person who is kind of um you know the hated outsider still stopped to help the person kind of thing. So
1: yeah, yeah, the um the, the it story also goes with these sort of more, uh, normal religious uh, characters passing by the guy who needs help and not doing anything for him or something. But yeah, the the one who's the more outsider and it's a long sort of uh, I, I'm not there was like um, yeah some ethnic conflict that had been going on for a long time there. Um, but it was like the surprising person came to help and uh which one of those was did the did the right thing. So um, it's a good uh, callback maybe. Justice has sort of a Old Testament New Testament quality to him. Like I say, he has like a lot of compassion and like feels a lot for people, but he still is, you know, will bring down the hammer the
0: brimstone is ready
1: <laughs> it's ready to go at a moment's notice you know it's actually uh, the closest thing I could think of also was like um there was some Frank Miller daredevils that would be like you know the hero kind of cold and alone and beaten up but still kind of struggling on to do whatever he, he could to, in a situation so a little uh you know it, it's it's a, a good uh level to be at if that's what it's reminding me. Of. So well, let's yeah. see. Uh let's jump on to who would we cast as justice? And they actually went to Giffen himself for this. Right.
0: Yeah. And... <laughs> it's a surprising one. <laughs> Christopher Just Walken? The... What?
1: <laughs> you know, I I mean I'm not even sure. Yeah. When did I start seeing Christopher Walken? He um Walken is an interesting take on that because he's 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 been in action movies, but he's not really what you think of as an action hero
0: in a yeah, couple of I, these cases. I think when I looked it up, you know, in the, around 87, he was in a movie called Warzone and another one called Deadline, which
1: I'd never heard of. <laughs> it looks kind of direct to video. I really remember, let's see, what was it? He was in The Deer Hunter, would have been like a few years before this, like closer to the 1980 or something. And I've never mm-hmm. watched that, but it was like, I. there's a the limit to how much crazy I need to watch, but um, Agreed. Yeah, he, I mean, I do love Christopher Walken, but I, it's not what I see as justice. Um, I had a thought Rutger Hauer.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: He's got kind of a, like a you know, crazy kind of out there, but also can be like harsh and you know mean looking needs to be.
0: Yeah, my my thoughts, and and of course you have to think back to the person in the mid eighties and not the uh, at times shit show that they might be now. Uh, I was thinking Mel Gibson.
1: Oh, okay, he's got yeah. some
0: acting range. Does the action stuff like. Yeah. I think I think he would do a good job with the character, or at least he would have uh, at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking I was... like mega
0: star for these kind of things, right? You oh. want you want to fill the seats for Justice the movie? You get Mel Gibson in 1987.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. Was I I thought of Gibson? I forget if it was for Justice or someone else because yeah, the like the Mad Max. Uh, Road Warrior Gibson is pretty straight, you know, and he like, um, then when he does like Lethal Weapon, that hairstyle just, you know, it's hard to take seriously now. <laughs> but he is a good actor, absolutely. Um, yeah, I wish I, I keep thinking I should find someone for Arnie. There was a like a, all these, um, character actors that did these sort of second banana roles, and I can't, can't, nothing comes to mind. I don't know.
0: Yeah, without something to play off of, I, I didn't tend to look to think about who uh, the other characters could be.
1: I think, uh, I mean, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any others. Although there's the two or three regulars we've been seeing, um, and then the the villains, Demon Conquest and Dad. I don't know.
0: If, I would say if the main villain was. Damon conquest in the movie right you know save dad as the big bad in the background or something like that like maybe like tom cruise can almost play like the sleazy 80s bad guy kind of thing
1: mm. might be kind of interesting yeah yeah I'm playing a little uh against type there Yeah, mm-hmm. okay interesting i just just popped in my head so <laughs> nice okay well let's see we'll uh We'll take those under advisement and uh, take a quick break and come back with some, I don't know, DP7? Paranormals that have been displaced. 79 of them. I mean, seven (laughs) of them in issue nine. Okay.
0: The numbers always throw me off. All right, break time. Okay, welcome back to the second half of the podcast, the DP7 half. And so, yeah, today we have issue number nine of DP7, which is a nice way of saying it where you can avoid saying the two numbers in a row, which always feels weird.
1: <laughs> so you're saying this is seven of nine? What?
0: Oh, geez. <laughs> weird Star trek references. references.
1: <laughs> it, it... I keep... Like all week, the um, the Smashing Pumpkin song 1979 has been going through my head because of this. So I mean I like that song, but you know, Yeah,
0: it's not from the 80s. Yeah. Neither is your Borg character. <laughs> keep keep it out of the podcast.
1: Cut this part. Cut it.
0: <laughs> Fix it in post. <laughs> All right. So 30 minutes later, we've gotten through announcing the title and issue number of the book. (laughs) Right on time. (laughs) Yeah. Issue number nine of DP7 uh, also came out uh, April 7th, 1987. The the cover date is July. Um, So basically you know the the quickest recap we've got here is uh the clinic is caught up to the seven right so they've sent some hunters out who have kind of been systematically picking off all of our characters and so everybody but dave landers was hunted down and caught uh the last to kind of hang in there were randy and jeff who were uh caught by a whole team of of hunters and that's pretty much where we left off. Uh, just Dave escaping out into the into the town uh, on his own with, without much without much going for him. So um, cover we've got a whole crew of new people. So um,
1: the new seven, DP seven
0: seven people in fact uh, though perhaps they're not displaced. We'll find out. Um, uh, but we have no idea who these are, but it, it's kind of like our team. It's a big mix of people and you get some hints at their abilities. There's a guy up front. He gets a word balloon saying, Hey, pansies come out and play. And, uh, he's hovering in his hand, a volleyball, right? So I, I kind of hinted in the beginning, the, uh, seven man volleyball, super me- mega menace team, um, Other than that, they look pretty normal. You know, one woman who's maybe got like a leotard on with a heart in it, you know, making a Madonna looking kind of pose. Uh, Everybody else looks a little crazy, I think, because of the shading uh, and the poses they're making. But not a whole lot of hints as to what these people can do yet. Uh, Yeah,
1: they're all kind of lit from below, which adds to their like menacing quality.
0: Um, Yeah, it's that like hold the flashlight under your chin kind of look.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing uh, Come Out and Play was from uh, the Warriors. Hey, Warriors, come out and play. They didn't
0: even give them the respect of calling them Warriors. Mm. Oh, well. And then they actually do want to play because we find out there is, in fact, some volleyball going on here.
1: (laughs) Come out and play some volleyball.
0: Hey, guys, can Randy come out? (laughs) He's done eating dinner yet. Go away, Timmy. Quit bothering us. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, um, oh, We should open the comic and talk about what's inside, too, right?
1: Good stuff in there, too, yeah.
0: Also good things. Uh, good things, as usual, written by Mark Ruenwald, penciled by Paul Ryan, inked by Al Williamson. Um, we've got our solid team. Um, so, yeah, Randy was captured, but we open with Randy sleeping in his bed next to the alarm clock that's going off um so the alarm clock wakes him up it's eight thirty-five, and he's in the clinic and he's comfortable with the fact that he's in the clinic so where am i the clinic oh i'm in my room where else would i paranormal be except an asylum for paranormals <laughs> i'm like wait a minute what's going on here um uh, gotta get moving if i want to get breakfast Uh, And so we get our title kind of hidden in the scene of dream. Maybe hinting at something story wise here. Um, So Randy gets up and he's kind of a little groggy, a little fuzzy, uh, but he's recapping kind of a dream that he had. And that dream sounds an awful lot like the first uh, eight issues of the comic. Right. So, He dreamt about, you know, being with Skaz and Dave and kind of fleeing, Uh, you know, someone getting tranquilized, Um, you know, the team splitting up, right, which they did in the most recent issues and how he didn't feel very good about that. Um, And then uh, dreaming all the way up to, you know, being sort of hunted and shot with the tranquilizer. And as he's imagining that tranquilizer shot, he nicks himself with the razor. so. Gets a little visceral, ouch, uh, alongside there. Um, one, one kind of funny thing that stood out to me when I picked up the comic is, you know, I mean, he comes out of bed. He's wearing underpa- underpants and nothing else. They're kind of like, you know, black Speedo-y kind of thing. But the way they're drawn almost looks like he was totally naked and then someone forced them to cover it up, <laughs> like with the art. It's like, well, we can't have full frontal in the new universe.
1: <laughs> Imagine Gruenwald going to the editor What are you talking about? You said that we were doing a new universe we, we were making up new rules as we go along Look, Mark, come on, man No full frontal male nudity I don't think that's too much to ask You said new! Come on!
0: Hey, actually, wasn't there a joke in one of the Marvel ages for that like cartoonist that does things that he thought it was the nude universe?
1: Yeah, right um, Fred Hembeck doing yeah, yeah. the so... middle pages and
0: uh <laughs> maybe Paul why are you wearing this?
1: any clothes isn't this the nude universe
0: but he was trying to give us the nude so but we get a nice shower scene right so we get some some man candy here <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, so basically we, we've got the impression now that everything's normal and randy is has had maybe dreamt that he escaped and you know he feels comfortable at the clinic. And what what could have went wrong? Um, he's talking about Doctor Simple and you know meeting group therapy and things. But but again, also you know things are kind of fuzzy, right? So you know I still haven't gotten the condi, cotton candy out from behind my eyes. You know what did I do last night? Um, but then he remembers Scuzz's father sent him a, a bottle of Mogan David Mad Dog, <laughs> and we all had a few swigs um so you know red flag there Scuzz's father getting along with scuzz that doesn't sound right hmm. <laughs> he hates his old man that's all we know about his old man
1: <laughs> also that he yeah his place is a mess but,
0: that's uh, true yeah total dumb i, I do yeah.
1: remember mad dog is a thing I and mean, you'd have like uh it's uh like fortified wine so it's like a thing that uh Winos would drink
0: like if you're just trying to get drunk, yeah, right.
1: Um, so a few swigs, I don't know if it's that strong, but uh
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's Randy himself, right? My to- tolerance for alcohol must have gone since my two-fisted pre-med days. Hope I can clear my head before tonight. We got one more game to play before we uh, uh and then he notices the alarm clock, you know, so he doesn't realize how he lost so much time. Um uh, rushes over to the clinic cafeteria and we've got two kind of running themes starting here. One that he's late for food two, uh the guy behind the cafeteria counter is not having any of it. It's like, I'm only two minutes late. It's like, oh, uh, do I look like the guy that makes the rules? So follow the rules.
1: <laughs> so it's a, so we, as it goes on, yeah, we see these clocks, like, like every page almost, like a little time check. So we're going through his day step by step, and we're very careful with the time, um, on the page at least.
0: Yeah, and again, this is unusual, right? The, of course, this the squad has been running for their lives from the clinic in the last. Uh, issue to whether whether they knew it or not, uh, after a lot of narrow escapes in the early on. Uh, but everybody's sitting at the lunch table, uh, except one notable ab- absence, no mastodon, right? No, no David Landers. Um, so he makes it sits down, uh, Lenore and Charlie, um uh, Stephanie and Jeff are there and scuzz Um, and they kind of goof with him about, you know. Missing the food, you know, they'd saved him from le- some leftovers, but uh, uh Jeff started snarfing him up already. And he has got a huge tray full of like you know, three milks and two drinks, and yeah, it look- looks like a whole McDonald's worth of uh, you know, like burger containers.
1: Yeah, tr- again, it's Charlie, <laughs> like, oh, I wasn't that hungry, I saved you some food too.
0: Yeah, so we get a lot more here of her being kind of sweet on him uh, than we had in the past, though. She she'd had, she had thought about it and sort of hinted at it before. Um, but yeah, even uh, so in the dream, you know, Stephanie's here. You know, where's Dave? You know, it's not like him to miss a meal. You know, another guy who probably eats a ton. Uh, scuds is kind of joking about the drinking. Uh, and... Randy looks at him. And he's like, for some reason, looking at Scuzz reminded me of motorcycles. You know, so kind of coming back to that dream. Um, though, did Randy actually see Scuzz on the motorcycle? I'm not even think so. sure
1: if it was Scuzz that had had done all that. But um, I don't know. It's like Scuzz also has like a cool motorcycle jacket and gloves on all, and uh, often enough that.
0: Uh, yeah. Cause it takes longer to burn through, I suppose. <laughs> so yeah, he, t- he starts talking about the dream, you know, where Scuzz had stolen this motorcycle. Uh, maybe not something that Randy knows, though maybe that actually makes sense in the story. Uh, but as, as they start talking, his chair starts levitating and kind of pulls out from under him. And there's a smarmy looking guy, uh, perhaps the guy from the front cover calling them pansies. Uh, so we get Benway. <laughs> um yeah, that so, was my guess. That's yeah,
1: Benway's front, the pansy, call. right? And
0: so he's the volleyball villain. And I want to congratulate you on your V-ball win last night, and tell you, you ain't gonna be, we ain't gonna go easy on you.
1: So, <laughs> I, he, holy just, I like that he calls them yuppies and yuppets.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever heard yuppets before. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know. Yeah, the DP seven or I don't know. Randy's, I I guess a yuppie, maybe Charlie. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, that that would be it, though. I would say. Yeah, 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 maybe.
0: Yeah, so so they break up. You know, again, kind of wondering where Dave is. Uh, and uh, they kind of go looking for him a little bit, but don't have much luck. Um, they go to their uh, breakout chat session, basically. Um, and, you know, so this, this was a feature of the clinic early on and sort of where all the characters met in the first place, you know, they got Dr. Semple, you know, talking about their experiences with their powers and their families and the things they missed. And, um, you know, she Semple, explained,
1: Oh, go ahead. Uh, Semple. Yeah. was their therapist in the first issue and, you even later they thought, you know, is everyone bad at the clinic? Cause Dr. Semple seemed okay. So.
0: Yeah. She probably wasn't trying to mind control us. Right.
1: <laughs> probably not obviously yeah. anyway.
0: Yeah. So, so she gives the excuse that, uh, Dave had muscle spasms last night and he's probably, he's in intensive care getting physical therapy. Um, and you know, Randy's sort of questioning that you know it's not really sh- doesn't sound right to him. He didn't hear anything, uh kind of thing. Stephanie offers to go heal him, which would make total sense. Uh he's like, no, no, it's fine, just need some rest. Uh he's like, well, Randy, hey, Randy, you were telling invest about how you felt like you were losing control, right? let's talk more about that. Let's change the subject. Um so yeah, they end up having a pretty interesting conversation, which kind of boils down to you know who has it the worst, right? As Brandy imagines, well, if the antibody leaves and never comes back, I'm just a normal guy now, right? Um, we got some hints of last last issue that maybe that wasn't the case as we saw a second antibody hand coming out of him. Uh, so maybe he can produce more or infinite amounts. We don't know yet, um, but yeah, so, you know, Jeff's like, well, that's at least you look normal. I'm blurring all the time. Um, you know, I, I would trade with you for a minute. Uh, Stephanie's like, yeah, I would agree. You know, At least my I would stop scaring my husband, you know, who for some reason she still gives a crap about. Uh, Lenore has to cover herself from head to toe. Maybe, you know, maybe she beats all of them uh, in terms of, you know, least socially acceptable one. Uh, and then you have Charlie, who's young, attractive, can can control her powers, and has no sort of physical obvious downsides.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Charlie's only limited by her imagination, which so far doesn't seem very like bold. But you know, who
0: knows? Yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting kind of question, you know. So like, you know, who do you think has it worst of the group? You know, would it be Lenore? I, I kind of think Lenore.
1: Um. Yeah, Lenore and Dave, like just because he's so out of scale for everything, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. You really can't blend. And then, yeah, I mean it's, it's kind of hard to argue who would have it the best. You know, Charlie seems like the obvious choice. Though though honestly, Randy, if his power didn't weird him out, is is pretty solid. And and really Stephanie, I'm still a little surprised that. She's so put out by her sparkliness.
1: I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, if her children got hurt and she could just touch them and cure them, she would be like, this is the best power anyone ever had. And I'm so glad I have it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Super mom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So, you know, mid the conversation ends as the uh, you know, this <laughs> melts a hole in a metal chair uh, with his hand, you know, which seems totally like something you would do. <laughs> uh, and they kind of break, um, you know, Randy has a side conversation. Um, um, oh, what's her name? Simple with Simple about, you know, what he can do and, you know, some sort of emotion suppressing drug. This thing comes out when I, you know, have an emotional reaction. Um, He mentions that he's going to see or or she she mentioned she mentions that he should go see the and in in your session and maybe talk to him about it. Um, Yeah, so 1207 headed towards lunchtime. He gets distracted kind of by the intensive care door uh, as he's getting ready to try going in there. uh, Miss Speck. From the early issues, shows up, you know, pops out of the door. Are you lost? He's like, I just want to see Dave. It's like, sorry, no visitors, no exceptions. (laughs) Restricted area.
1: A uh, sexy nurse outfit.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Could be kind of She wasn't
1: really a nurse, but uh, yeah, does look good on her.
0: It's it's maybe kind of lab coat. Um,
1: Okay, yeah, I was thinking that there was a nursing hat too, but you're right, it could be. Yeah. Either way,
0: but she has the spying powers, so I'm not sure what she's doing there. But whatever, again, just a restricted area, Brian. I didn't make the rules.
1: Mm. The rules, the <laughs> rules, the rules. <laughs> I don't know why this comes up so much. This issue, but I,
0: I, I think I know why, but I don't want to spoil it just yet. So, anyway. um, you know, she leaves. He tries the door, it's locked. And he's like, Well, if I had this antibody power, it could peek in there for me. Uh, so he basically tries to draw it out. And you know, he even has a memory of clean shaven Dave <laughs> arguing with him. Um, and then we get this cool panel of like repeated images of his head kind of pulling back into a scream and sweat uh, in, in like a cool color pattern. It's kind of hard to describe. Um, and he passes out. So he tried to manifest his power and thump, hits the floor. Uh fainted, wakes up, is a little bloody, a little shaken, a little bit late for lunch. Yeah. So he missed another meal. And everybody's telling him to follow the rules. <laughs> uh, so this time they were kind of ready. They're they were a little bit ready or expecting him. Um, but uh, Stephanie heals him you know Jeff still got his giant pile of food again so you know if he's really back in the clinic he's probably pretty happy now that he has unlimited food again um, Charlie's still got sweets on O'Brien uh, on Randy so she's you know sees if she she tries to uh, use her feminine wiles on the lunch lady man uh lunch man <laughs> I like lunch lady man <laughs>
1: Good Morty, the lunch lady man.
0: Okay. Cafeteria worker Morty. So she kind of says secretly
1: the like Philip Nolan in disguise or what Void. <laughs> that's the one. Void,
0: right. Yeah, she, you know, pulls her shirt down, uncovers her shoulder a little bit, and uh, scores in the sweet chocolate pudding. <laughs> all right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ta-da! Chocolate pudding, all I could get. <laughs> But it looks like vanilla pudding. Come on, colorist. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, uh, after lunch, 1115, 15, we got Randy sort of in a chair with all those uh like electrode leads on him. And uh this time he's with Charn, right? That's the guy. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of checking him out and you know, seems kind of generally annoyed with him. <laughs> uh And just trying to figure out like the physical manifestation, like, like what is this power you have kind of thing. And, uh, with, you know, over time, you know, Randy's still been having kind of memories of what's what's happened in the previous issue. Um, he's kind of thinking about it, you know, what if my antibody took off one day and didn't come back, which, which is in fact what happened, um, but Trent's not really having it. You know, he's saving me a lot of aggravation. Let's do this thing. So he's kind of giving him the uh, clockwork orange treatment, I guess. Like showing him a bunch of images to try and, you know, measure his response. He's got the, you know, I, I'm going to say like the, like the actual, you know, scrolling piece of paper with the pen going across, kind of like measuring their responses, like a lie detector test kind of thing going.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. And Makes sense. yeah, it's in, it's at the bottom of the panels in a couple of rows. It's a nice graphic. Sort of yeah, it's
0: picture. cool because you know the first images you see is you know a kid petting a cat and some construction dudes hassling a lady and someone getting shot and like eh, it's pretty flat. Um, when they cut to an image of like a slasher Jason guy with a knife at a woman's throat, um, he kind of remembers uh, the Bloodhound. Um, with the knife at Lenore's throat, you know, with his dream, which of course was real. And he remembers sort of like having their car crash and getting tranquilized. And so then the, uh, the graph starts going crazy um, and he pops out of it. Right. So he kind of like, you know, startles out of his uh, leads and such uh, and, you know, surprises churn and such. But he's like, ah, oh, it's like, just something from my dream, you know, some, something set me off there. Um, but Charn says, you know, your, your creature didn't come out, like no budge, like no activity, nothing's really going on. Uh, so again, you know, we kind of get Randy struggling with this sort of dream world. Um, he goes back to talk to uh, the therapist lady again. Um, again, kind of talking about like what happens if the antibody leaves and maybe it's just leave me alone. Uh, a little bit woe is me kind of thing. Um as far as things go. Um but yeah, so
1: I used to be the cool antibody guy. Now I'm just a guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and then that's about a
1: young, good looking medical degree guy. I don't know. right. How will I live with myself?
0: Yeah. And and so she kind of suggests that oh well you could do your residency here at the clinic, right? and It's like I'm like, oh well, that would be generous of you like clinic I'm like why do i shudder at the very thought of doing something like that i wonder why randy <laughs> we know he doesn't so 335 right so this is this is the all randy all the time issue um so he's working out in the workout room um the a, with a believably large clinic i don't know if we've seen it from the outside yet but it's got space like the sanctuary. Um, I
1: I mean, it's a yeah, like a whole hospital building size. I assumed. Yeah,
0: I I feel like we saw it probably in an early issue as they like escaped maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so yeah, he's he's working out, thinking about that staff offer, and mid workout gets interrupted by mm, beautiful half naked blonde woman
1: i guess <laughs> just basically... uh, yeah the hearts girl from the cover
0: yeah i'm pamela one of your v-ball opponents remember <laughs> uh right right um so she wants walked...
1: spandex uh workout oh yeah it has got the
0: headband and everything so she's quite obviously flirting with him. And can you help me stretch? You know, every everything but like, you know, help me put the sunscreen lotion on my back kind of thing. But <laughs> he's like, wait a minute. What, isn't your par- paranormality some sort of emotional interface? <laughs> uh, as he's holding her leg as she's doing this ballet stretch.
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's, I just do that because I'm a young, attractive woman. Uh, I, paranormality is a completely another thing. It's nothing to do with that. Men just like lose their minds around me, but that just happens, you know? right?
0: I'm just that good. Just that good. Before
1: the white event, I was doing
0: that too. <laughs> yeah, if anything, less dudes are after me now. So, <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so there's. I like this part, and it's kind of interesting. Besides, do I do I look like the kind of girl who enjoys playing head games with men? Well. <laughs> and then she slips and as she slips uh it's funny because randy's saying pam i want you i uh, (laughs) so like he he might have been hooked at that point uh but her feet go out from under and uh charlie had showed up right so quite clearly used her slipperiness friction powers um and we get Randy's thoughts, did I make her fall? When I felt her reach inside me, I tried to grab her. And so, like again, I'm not really sure quite what to read into that. Like, was he going in for like the big hug and kiss? You know, was you know, he trying to just catch her when she fell, but he was still kind of recognizing, you know, she was making him fall for her. But yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least he he's kind of. Is, is keeping enough distance that he's not like um, sucked into whatever her, her power was so
0: yeah <laughs> so you know uh, so yeah so Pamela the new girl with the love powers uh, you know kind of gets catty with Charlie who kind of maybe sort of saved Randy but also dumped her on the ground um uh, and kind of storms off. You'll get yours. You wait. Ow, <laughs> she messed up her hip, perhaps. Um, so, but now Randy has a new half-naked girl to help stretch and dance. So things are looking up.
1: Less rough for Randy. This <laughs> is uh, like a nightmare. Killing dream.
0: him. <laughs> but anyway, so she's a dancer. So she's kind of wearing the, the leotard and wants wants help practicing. Uh-huh. Uh, so more more flirtation, um, and then afterwards, you know, Randy has to take a cold shower, I guess. After that, <laughs> so he's back in the shower uh, when he gets interrupted by another new dude. So, uh, uh, Rodney, Rodney Weekend, the Tangler. You don't want to come up against the Tangler in the shower. I think his power is to, like, use the little hair bits of hair and stuff from the shower drain to tangle people <laughs> up. It's, it's oddly specific. That would be really disgusting. That would be more of an Adam Warren kind of uh, empowered superhero villain or something. Gross shower drain guy. Uh, so so the, the Tangler is unhappy because uh, his teammate Pamela was hurt, right? So, again, it's all about volleyball. Um, so he tangles up Randy naked in the shower with you know, it looks like maybe he's creating these little lines from his mind, sort of.
1: Um, yeah, I mean it I first thought they would like yeah, well, cause you, you see sort of a graphic around his head, and then you they're just sort of around Randy. So yeah, I guess he just sort of materializes something. Yeah,
0: it's of- either that or like control over. Fibers or something that he just had around, but like a towel thread or I don't know. But either way, poor Randy's all wrapped up, Uh, and he says feels like invisible wire. So maybe maybe it is mental, like a psychic
1: power. It could also just be all in his head.
0: But we see blue. Uh, So again, you know, Randy's going to be late. He's tied up in the shower, Uh, and you know, kind of wet and soggy and calling for help. Um, cut to 655 he's late for dinner <laughs> womp womp. he's missed every meal uh but yeah this time they're truly prepared for him and saved him from some extra food um and he kind of talks and talks about having that run in with the rival um so hey finally page 18 we're getting to the good stuff the volleyball game yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> paranormal volleyball
1: it's like when the X-Men would play baseball with each other.
0: Yeah. did they only do that like once? But it ends up it was like so so iconic that everybody wants them to play baseball all the time.
1: I thought it was like in the annuals or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's been a while. So yeah, they're they're all
0: gathered at the volleyball game. Uh, I like sporty Lenore, like her usual purple mask outfit is kind of like a hoodie with a headband and the mask. So it's just like sporty ghost, <laughs> which is fun. Uh, but Pamela, you know, from. Yeah, the... actually,
1: Lenore looks like she's playing for uh, like a Middle Eastern team.
0: Oh, geez. Yeah. Right. Total coverage. <laughs> yeah. Well, they start making their women wear, uh, white face masks, then,
1: yeah, the Iranian women's volleyball team would probably wear something like
0: that. Yeah, you're right. It actually would look pretty close. Um, but, uh, Pamela from the, uh, weight room stretching and flirting and, uh, you know, man control powers, you know, comes limping in on crutches. Um, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, so the other team's kind of pissed, um, but it's also kind of uh, harassing them. It's yeah, like, Landos isn't going to be playing either, so sides are still even. Um, and Hackbarth, the third clinic sort of goon from the beginning, is the volleyball referee. Uh, you know, play a clean game, no power. Uh, so they start playing volleyball. You know, the other team's complaining about Jeff being too fast. It's like, I'm going as slow as I can. Um Hackbarth Looks good to me. Keep playing. And then when the other team starts to obviously start using their powers, you know, so like kind of flying up in the air and spiking the ball on poor Lenora's head. Hackbarth <laughs> again is, looks oh, look fair to me. So, so it looked kind of so it starts to become clear to everybody that you know it's actually okay to use powers. Hackbarth is just letting them do whatever they want. Um, so SCUS. It's like, hey, well, we gotta make this even. Like we spice it up, use our own powers. But for whatever reason, Randy's always saying no. It's like, no, we gotta play it by the rules, play it by the rules. Um, so they kind of keep up with them for a little while, but basically end up losing because the other team's showing off their powers, right? So, you know, we get a wormhole, so a guy who can maybe sort of teleport things is a bit of an advantage in uh in uh, volleyball playing. Uh uh, another character named sally who's sort of maybe unclear if she has powers uh, the other two um we i don't think we get names for it. it's just kind of like a tall guy and a dark-haired woman but you know maybe maybe we'll learn more about these characters later um but yeah the, the team doesn't quite do it uh so the the bad guy volleyball team kind of cheats their way to success you know kind of Finally, ending in a slam by the Sally character, uh, that Lenore, who's like sixty, can't quite keep up with. <laughs> so, do you need your powers to beat Lenore in volleyball? Hopefully not. Uh,
1: yeah, Scuzz yeah. had a nice like return there. That uh, he looked like he was going to burst into flame, like the Human Torch.
0: Yeah, time for the Scorcher to start playing volleyball.
1: Yeah, <laughs> everyone's dead on the other team. Scorcher rule.
0: it's like the net's burned and there's a hole in the floor but I guess you won
1: Scorcher (laughs) oh well (laughs) remember cheaters never prosper except when they do
0: right except when they're in government (laughs) yeah anyway so you
1: know nobody's
0: particularly happy with Randy and his his rules lawyering Um, and even him he's kind of you know thinking about that to himself too you know um, you know why? Why was I so uh, picky about the rules and things like that? Uh, maybe there is a time when you throw the rules to the wind and do what you have to do. <laughs> rules prohibit visitors in the intensive care ward. I, t- I intend to break that one. Why is that different? Right. So rules, more rules. <laughs> I didn't um,
1: have to hear with your rules.
0: <laughs> so then he in fact does go to break it. So uh, I guess. He takes Charlie uh, with him. You know they kind of sneak in. She's able to unfrictionize the lock or something and break them in. They sneak past the guard into the ICU, and it looks like there's a corpse on the table. It's just like someone cover a body covered in a sheet, and they uncover it, and it's Dave lying there, like basically eyes open but dead looking. Mr. <laughs> Brandy's like no. And- no! so you know yeah. so loud that I, your mic actually cut out on you oh <laughs> It he raised your nose <laughs> ah.
1: okay forget it i'm not gonna do the the nose anymore
0: it, was, it wasn't it was such, such a high pitch that only the animals <laughs> could hear
1: <laughs> a really manly nose no
0: <laughs> anyway. yeah but we got a, a, a great pullback of randy you know in that like you know star trek wrath of khan khan kind of pose you know, but with like a ton of antibodies flying out of him and then he wakes up wait <laughs> okay so yeah so he wakes up um he's basically looking like he was when in previously he was with charn kind of being studied with the electrodes so he's like ah, wakes up um uh, Charn and Hackbarth are in fact right there. It's like, holy, o- O'Brien's overcome the sedation. What? Regulate him, Hackbarth. Hackbarth uh, has these weird, like, I can alter any physio- physiology kind of powers. Uh, so mess with hormones and sleepiness and muscle pain and, you know, pretty strong power set. So he kicks him back to sleep. But, you know, I guess it was in fact a dream. So, it's like he opened his eyes, he saw where he really was. He won't remember it. He'll still still think he's in a dream. Um, Hackbarth is who I, I want to know is how you let him get out of control. You're the one programming his dreams. What are you letting him have nightmares for? It's like, I set up the scenarios, but I can't be in all six brains at the same time directing every scene when I agreed to recondition their memories of their escape, I didn't know it would be this tricky. So I guess that's a bit better window into what this guy can do, you know, can kind of mess with dreams and memories uh, while someone's asleep. Um, but trying to do six at one time is a little tough.
1: Yeah, he had, um, He was also part of what got the Kickers Inc. Um, sort of on the clinic side when they went to the Kickers for help. And he was sort of there.
0: Yeah, it gave him working. like that background emotional influence of like suspicion and you know angst, also, I guess. Um, it's flexible. Yeah. So I guess it
1: doesn't have to be in the dreams, but maybe that just makes it easier. Yeah, yeah. He's uh it's probably like the combination or two or three of them that allows this sort of dream manipulation. Is it, I'm not sure he could do it all by himself, but to like keep them all asleep and then to program the dreams. So Hackbarth sleeps them, Charn programs whatever they're experiencing, and then Spec I don't know checks on them.
0: them yeah, know. yeah. Interesting question would be: Are they all in the same dream? Right? Is Dream World Charlie and Stephanie the actual the, their actual
1: selves? Right, right. Or- right
0: or is that just what he's imagining or to be completely isolated yeah i don't know
1: because it's it's like it's it's still ambiguous to me like if this is if they're just kept in this like dream state all the time or whether they it's only part of it is they're programming their dream and then once they sort of program them enough they can let them go out and walk around and interact normally
0: yeah so last panel, um, the the body of Landers disappears. Yeah, you know they are kind of not remembering that they'd seen it. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, if I had joined the staff, I'm gonna see that see that they do allow visitors in ten, into intensive care.
1: And next, the woods. Yeah, the um, so the last couple of panels, it's just repeating the previous page where, but instead of seeing Dave. Now there's just nothing, and they're like, "Why don't even worry? Why are we even here?" I guess he must be gone. Okay. Anyway, moving on with our lives. Nothing to see here. Interesting.
0: And next, uh, Colin the Woods. I'm assuming, without having peeked, uh, is probably checking in on what's going on with Dave Landers. I
1: think that's right. From like a cover or something, I saw. So he's probably just. that the solo issue will be focused on him. And it's interesting. They focus like on just one character this time. Um, I, I mean, we'd said before, like Randy seems like the main character at first, and then it becomes just such a large varied cast and everyone's going in each direction that he, I don't want to say he faded in background, but he definitely did not, you know, he didn't think, well, it's Randy's show. But um so yeah, in this issue it's all from Randy's point of view though. So that was an interesting take.
0: Yeah, through through the first eight, you know, it, it seemed like uh you know, if it wasn't Randy as sort of the closest to the main character, it was maybe an even split between sort of him and Dave.
1: Right. Dave really takes over a...
0: with uh, like Stephanie and Skuz, uh being sort of the main secondary characters. And then, you know, Jeff and uh, Charlie and Lenore getting sort of the the, the less lesser uh, amount of sort of fleshing out to a degree, but uh, really they do. It's, it doesn't feel like a problem. It's not like, you know, I wish I had more of Lenore, you know, she gets enough time, you know, I, I feel like they do a nice job balancing the seven.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd it doesn't you
0: mean what. you have to have equal panel time for every single character, and that would probably be a writing mistake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to tell you what happened to Dave here, but I'm gonna stay you all. I do more Lenore, so here she is for a couple of pages.
0: Yeah. DP Seven is always a little tricky to grade because it's so consistent. Like it's always good, really. So yeah. yeah. You know, do I do I kind of? I always feel like kind of like wait, give it an A minus, and then kind of wait for like some kind of boom, standout kind of exciting thing to to punt it up to A. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I've given it Bs before,
1: but probably I'm not sure much. B plus is the lowest I've gone with it because they haven't never even a fill in issue or anything like uh, that didn't at least move the story forward. Yeah. You know?
0: Like the scorcher with SCUS was like really emotional. Like that was something, that's true, yeah. right? So then, this, if that's A, then this is a minus maybe for me.
1: I'm gonna, I'll go back to A just because this is a sort of story I really like. This sort of um, the Matrix meets uh, the Prisoner and like the person who it's not that just that they're you know imprisoned but they don't even realize the situation they're in and so yeah you have this sort of extra layer of situation around them that you the reader sees but that is just something that they're sort of struggling against and pushing up against but without being able to see the bigger picture and so yeah I'm a real sucker for those stories I don't know
0: yeah and i think even with the very obvious like it says dream on the first panel like in my head reading it i'm still like okay did they brainwash him and he's kind of remembering you know
1: Um, yeah that's the other yeah it could be he's it programmed in between the last appearance and so now he's just going through a normal day at the clinic thinking he belongs there and he thinks of all this stuff that happened to him as a as a dream yeah so the dream is just oh what happened i was chasing a wampus what's a wampus i don't even know why i know that word anyway (laughs) i'm back to group therapy session yeah um yeah it really keeps you on the edge with that too because you're you're not sure exactly you know something's off but
0: yeah so then the question also is then is this new is this new group of seven people real
1: that uh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I, guess we'll find I, out. I just remember perhaps it's from like other sources though that like there's there were earlier therapy groups and later therapy groups. And so I assume them to be real. Yeah. And there's actually a question because at some point he says um, uh, the celebrate our volleyball victory over group B. And I thought they were group B. And so like in the game, it says group B and group C. And uh, let's see. So right under that scoreboard, Jeff is complaining and Hackbar says, looks legal to me, group team B. So Hmm. I feel like, I don't know, they're either switching the names around, but like, DP7, I think, is, should be Team B because they were like an intermediate uh, therapy group. And so I I hope Team C is this like later therapy group that we'll see more of later.
0: Yeah, maybe the other Team B was lowercase b. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had talked about like that that recurring piece of like rules, like I don't make the rules or, you know, gotta follow the rules kind of thing. Like I, I took that as that's part of the programming, like Mm -hmm. the trend, like that was his thing. Like he, he kind of snuck around and was questioning everybody. And, you know, that's how he, his antibody ended up finding out that they were perhaps uh, like trying to mess with their minds while they're sleeping and such. Um, Mm -hmm. So my my guess was that was what uh charn was trying to do like you know like all of those rules enforcing things would make him more uh more likely to just kind of you know shut up and listen kind of thing
1: yeah it's like he was really kind of chafing against that idea but like yeah if they're sort of going to just keep beating it into him maybe know yeah, that's a
0: and the punishment is not getting food? I don't know, like some Pavlovian kind of stuff, maybe? You don't follow the rules, you're not going to
1: win the volleyball game? Yeah. The food thing, yeah, I don't know. I almost felt like I was, we were watching Jeff there for a while. I'm so hungry.
0: <laughs> Where's so, my I, pudding?
1: Every page like has a time code on it, practically, and it just keeps going through the day and like him Running around and being still being hungry, and then doing something else, and like still not eating, and like I there was like a this scene in Goodfellas that's always kind of famous of where it's like him the guy kind of monologuing, and I've got to go over here and drop off the drugs, and then I go back to my place and I tell my wife this, but it's like going through his day, and it's this like motor mouth, everything kind of going on and on. It felt a bit yeah. like that, like. Just like accelerating the the time pressure on him or something. Right, right. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we only got like two or three names out of, we'll call them Team C for now. Um, And a couple of them look like, I don't know, like there's a big guy like Dave. Um, A couple of women who look either strong or crazy. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, we have
0: Benway... Who can float things? You got Pamela, who's got the love powers. Uh, Rodney, the tangler, uh, nerdy guy named Wormhole, Sally, who maybe can fly, or maybe the guy was just floating her. I think maybe he's just floating her.
1: Um, yeah, on the front cover, it's like one has like a hand that's I don't know, electrified. Yeah, and then the the woman in green just looks tall. I don't know
0: yeah so sally's probably the one with the, the zappy finger or whatever that is so and then yeah no nothing about tall guy he, tall guy didn't even feature prominently in the volleyball game like that's what you got a tall guy for is volleyball
1: <laughs> what are you even playing yeah maybe no. he's got some sensitive guy powers instead of like an obvious strong guy thing Oh, just because I'm seven feet tall, you think I'm just a big muscle head? <laughs> my power is love. <laughs> just because I
0: drive this very small car, does that mean you <laughs> should make fun of me? <laughs> happened to be the largest vehicle I could afford. So um We got like eight characters for the movie
1: casting, so we should probably get to that, right? Oh my or gosh. Seven. <laughs> this was this was just terrible for me, but go ahead. <laughs> let's let's take turns for uh the official um was for my guess Paul Ryan yep. was Randy O'Brien, um Mark Harmon.
0: Yeah, so people would mostly know him as
1: the white haired guy from
0: NCIS.
1: You know, the, the guy he was in I think um St. Elsewhere in the eighties. Yeah, and the nineteen eighty seven film Summer School. That's also good, yeah. You know, I hadn't really thought about it as like a great pick, but maybe because he would play the young doctor on St. Elsewhere, maybe that's part of the. Yeah, I, the I don't have much familiarity
0: with him as an actor, but um, I, the, the look of him in '87, like the summer school guy, like is
1: pretty spot on. I, you know, I, I, I was trying to think of some. Like other, like Brat Pack kind of a car- guy, C. Thomas Howell or Andrew McCarthy, just the sort of everyman quality.
0: Hmm. And I'm will, not
1: sure I have a good.
0: I will for- pretend to know who those people are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but I wasn't any happier with them. So we'll just move on from.
0: Yeah, I gave it the check mark. I'm like, all right, Paul Ryan, you picked an okay one there. Uh, Dave Blander is a tough one to cast. Uh, he picked John Matuzak, uh, NFL, uh, you know, LA, I guess at the time, Raiders player, big dude with a beard, uh, played Sloth and Goonies, and maybe
1: not that much else. Yeah, he died. He had a heart attack and died pretty young. Yeah, like 89, I think. Um, yeah, I brought him up before for a uh, Kickers Inc. Uh, cameo um and yeah he's just he's like a big guy but i didn't really see him as dave land no i, I didn't I have was, a better option so I, I i stuck with that one i was thinking landers was more of a hulk hogan look i don't know oh uh,
0: maybe uh,
1: Do you I, I remember who the guy was
0: and the, there's that famous jean-claude van damme movie like blood sport mm. and there's this big burly hairy dude who's kind of like comedic kind of I couldn't remember what his name was but that, that made me think Landers too but you know, there's just not too many massively muscle bound uh, seven foot tall actors out there
1: yeah I mean there's something about the face that wasn't very Tuzak. Um maybe just is, being picky yeah he's just got kind of a, a more um, I don't know down to I don't know he, he 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 he's he's not off-putting. Um, like the character has a good, you know, vibe around him. So yeah, you do that kind of stuff with makeup. No, okay. It's <laughs> a special effect that we, makes him look uh, friendly. He's, or he's in
0: modern movies that have some awful CGI version of him.
1: Yeah. Uh, on to Jeff Walters as Blur wait did you skip stephanie oh oh but your oh, yeah, like, than, yeah, uh, order is different than comic order okay yeah we could do jeff okay jeff uh they have eddie murphy that one uh, took me back uh,
0: made me kind of pause for a minute but i actually i kind of like it
1: you like that okay he's funny he is funny i think um, i think if anything he,
0: eddie murphy would be too big for the role that's as like yeah. you know, if he was the main character yeah
1: um but was you know, like I a large him. cast i don't know mm. yeah he, he always sort of blows up whenever he's in something yeah he and, was i always struggle to remember how young he was on like saturday night live you you he was like 18 or something so really? he's still in his early 20s so he's age appropriate i think at this point
0: you could yeah. You could punt it down if Eddie if Eddie was too big, you could make it Arsenio.
1: Yeah, something like that, because it's like more of like a second banana roll, I'm thinking. Or Arsenio. <laughs> sorry, but yeah, I didn't I so I wasn't happy with it, but I didn't have a good like uh, alternative either.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of liked it, but then I'm thinking about it now. I think he he'd be too too commanding of a presence so I, I like arsenio hall as, as jeff
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he's a good like motor mouth though so yeah was it? in like 48 hours that movie with uh, mcnulty he was like kind of always like running his mouth yeah which is has been jeff like i gotta know
0: there were uh peak eddie murphy is always going to be beverly hills cop though yeah <laughs> anyway uh scuzz michael j fox yeah, yeah. I have a hard uh, time seeing that. No, visually, it yeah, kind of works. Age-wise, it kind of works. Character-wise, mm.
1: yeah, that's kind of a reach for Michael J., who's who's always got this like uh, comes off as like a nice guy uh, quality that scus would need to be a little edgier than that. Yeah, I think he could pull it off. As an actor,
0: but it just wouldn't feel right because we're so familiar with him as, you know,
1: underdog, nice guy. You know, yeah, we we'd uh, we wouldn't buy it, buy him in the role or something. But yeah, we'd keep like waiting for him to do some like heart of gold thing or something, <laughs> right?
0: Which might just, still happen with
1: Scuzz. You know, probably not. Possible. Anything's possible. Did you have an alternative choice for Scuzz? Um, I was I was like. Maybe Sean Penn is like when he's in like his fast times at Ridgemont High, he's already mm. like aging out of this a bit. But something I couldn't I mean all the like outsiders um cast were like all the like you know motorcycle boy looking guys, like almost all of them are like dark haired and it really kind of I can't get a good look. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I thought maybe maybe youngish Christian Slater almost, but
1: that's closer than Michael J. Fox. Yeah, he yeah. could look like Weasley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what next. Lamont Cranston. <laughs> uh, so Lenore, Catherine Hepburn. Why not? He still alive at the time. God. Hey, anybody can play Lenore You never see her face. <laughs> Lenore is a special effect and a voiceover.
0: Why know? not get a beloved,
1: longtime actress to do it? Ah, uh, Charlie. I think the clinic is coming after us. <laughs> um, I don't. I, 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 I at first was looking around at like the "Where's the Beef" lady. The lady. <laughs> my my second choice would be angela lansbury Um, lansbury really well i mean murder she wrote came up around that time and she's actually like in her 50s probably when she's doing that um but she plays this like 60 ish woman and so
0: she might be able to take a volleyball
1: to the head and not need a stunt person her her stunt person could definitely take a volleyball to the head but geez.
0: that's not my contract <laughs> <Damn> it, lansbury <laughs> you said you're gonna play volleyball
1: <laughs> i meant like you know look like i'm playing volleyball because i'm an actress <laughs>
0: uh, i like it <laughs> uh stephanie i had to look up who meredith baxter burney bernie was um the mom from Family Ties? The
1: mom from Family Ties, yeah. And that's really where, where like, this breaks down is, like, Michael J. Fox and his mom? Oh, <laughs> you trying sorry. to have a
0: reunion here or something?
1: This is really... Yeah, uh, I wasn't happy with that one at all. No? I thought it kind of worked. Baxter Bernie, when she was younger, and I can imagine, like, the creative team are, like, you know they're not kids at this point so they're like you know the girl who was in that show a few years ago and they're thinking of like her 10 years before this yeah she's like 40 at this point or at least eh, mid. i don't know i say actress
0: who's 40 is going to be playing like early 30s right so i I don't mind stephanie as a little bit older i think in the comic of course you Know how do you draw someone that's middle aged other than like clothes? It's kind of hard. So she looks really young and pretty. Uh, she looks like she's in her early 20s with kids, but
1: I wouldn't mind her as like an older, yeah. I mean, it's mom like character. The, the whole like Dave and Stephanie thing is perhaps, yeah, also coloring my you know image. Like, who's someone that you know, guys are really like, oh wow, this 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 chick is beautiful. I am like. Head over heels for her. And I pulled out Daryl Hannah. Is, oh, okay. A little a couple years young, but like she has that sort of attractive blonde, but not off-putting. Um, she she looks like she could play a, you know, straight housewife, whatever starting point, and then uh, really like have this guy head over heels for her. I don't know
0: yeah I, I think that's smart um our last one charlie janet jackson
1: <laughs> right. i think we're speaking to like the few roles for african-american women and the theater at the time
0: yeah we struggled with, uh, with african-american actors and actresses before in sort of casting um yeah, I mean, Janet Jackson is too iconic. <laughs> like looking, like the the. How could you ever imagine Janet Jackson as some other character? Like almost yeah, as bad as Michael been, Jackson as some other character. I think.
1: Yeah, she had been in um like good times. She was like someone's like like a young teenager, and then, but at this point, yeah, she's like her singing career is taking off. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So yeah, you're just like. She's in music videos and stuff. And yeah, I mean she looks great, but
0: yeah, I picked uh like Lisa Bonet from Cosby Ooh, Show. Oh
1: yeah. She's got Ooh. the look down. Was that you too? That was me too, yeah. All right. <laughs> a little young, but uh, that's that's the look I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, she was like I mean Charlie was supposed to be like freshman in college kind of thing, right? So
1: yeah, she's uh, yeah, a different world or whatever was spinning off around this time, or maybe she's still on the Cosby show, but yeah, so she's about college-ish age so yeah there we go that's our dp7 yeah your dp7 just need the
0: time machine and a lot of money and we can make that movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) or something why not yeah so all right if nothing else sorry it's it's fun to have like i imagine the artists do have like some you know someone in mind when they're doing these books and so it's at least like a fun peek into their creative process like if they're trying to make these characters look like these actresses or they're just sort of yeah
0: especially yeah especially here since you know paul ryan has co-created and has drawn them the whole way whereas some of the artists picking making the choices you know you know, hadn't necessarily been on the series for the whole run or or even more than you know, a couple issues sometimes so like keith giffen was picking justice right and like he just started so we'll forgive him for his strange choice of uh christopher walken justice but
1: yeah maybe jeff isherwood or uh walt simonson would have you know picked someone else
0: yeah like- all right, as well, casting done, I'd say that's it for this week's episode. All right. I think so so next,
1: next time we get... Next time we finally get an official title change with codename Spitfire number 10. See, back in the 80s, you would not just use any excuse to reboot your title as a number one issue. Nope. <laughs> you could they would rather change the name and keep the numbering going at fear of confusing you. Interesting approach, don't you think? <laughs> Where's my chrome cover? <laughs> so number, Codename Spitfire number 10. Jenny Spitfire Swenson disappears and the mysterious club wants to know where she went. The new title is the first clue in the new direction for the series. Written by Carrie Bates. Allen Pencil by Alan Kepperberg, Inc. Disney again. or code name Spitfire number ten, a new title, a new direction, and all new thrills. Ooh, new thrills!
0: I had been getting tired of the old thrills. <laughs> uh, so, what does that mean exactly? The new title is the first clue in the new direction. Code name Spitfire, but her her nickname was already Spitfire.
1: I I I maybe like they're gonna give. Uh, Codename Spitfire to the guy. Oh, that have a would different code name and they'll be like, Hey, Spitfire. And like they'll both be like, Huh,
0: what? Oh, yeah. If you're speaking in code, like over the radio, so the guys don't overhear and you're like, Spitfire, this is Blue Eagle. Like, okay, well, okay, everybody knows who Spitfire is. <laughs> That's in their file. <laughs> so anyway, hey, Starbrand returns. <laughs> star brand number eight running a little behind uh ken called the friends a terminally ill boy what can ken do to help the dying boy knowing that his star brand powers cannot save him i don't know uh written by carrie bates no more jim shooter tear rolls down face uh penciled by Arvell jones inked by danny bulanadai um, and the shorter version to grant a dying boy his last request, Ken Connell must reveal the secret of the Starbrand. So, hey, at least we get to talk Starbrand again.
1: Hey, hey, Timmy, are you dying? Yes, Mr. Connell. Let me tell you a secret. I have infinite power. <laughs> can you help me? No. Anyway, just thought you'd like to know. <laughs> I'm I can gonna vaporize go you.
0: Would that help? Would vaporizing you help? <laughs>
1: I guess not. <laughs> anyway, because justice can also do that. So I don't
0: know. That's true. But sometimes it doesn't work. So, well, in the meantime, uh, kickersinc.com, check it out. Give us some slogan ideas for our podcast slogan contest. Uh, give those to newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you back at the Spinner rack next time. Hasta.